listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, welcome everybody. So glad that you're with us in this stay-at-home season now. Welcome to week eight of a nine-week series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Now, here's the interesting thing. Lots of you, you already knew what this series was. You knew what number I am in it. You probably think you know exactly what I'm going to talk about because that's what you're like. You are an orderly person. You know what you're going to do the rest of this day. You know what you're going to do tomorrow. You just have it all figured out, and and you feel very good in your ordered world. But some of you watching... You're like on the other end of the continuum. So, you know, you've got orderly people here, but then you've got people like, you didn't know you were going to be watching this. You were just flipping through on your phone and saw it, and you're going to turn me off in two minutes anyhow because you're chill. You're just relaxed on the whole thing, and it doesn't really matter to you. And, you you know, if there's something on the agenda, somebody will let you know. And when it comes to, like, neatness in your car or your house, not a big deal to you. And that's the way it is. You've got people who are super orderly, and people who are pretty messy, and they're both there. In fact, let's do this. Let's just do a little thing. Let's say on a scale of like 1 to 10, where 1 is orderly and 10 is messy, and so they're kind of extreme. So, so like the, the orderly, the super orderly might be the monk's cell, you know, where everything is straight and neat and ordered and in line, and then that's the orderly person, super orderly, and then over on the far end of the messy, your place looks more like actually a hoarder's house. Which are you? So just right now, take a minute or two, or maybe 15 seconds, and just talk to the people in your family and see what they think they are and what you think they are. Just real quick, do that. All right, so I would love to have been in some of those homes and hear the discussions on this, and I know I didn't give you much time, but here's the next question, all right? And that is, who do you think's better and who do you think's worse? So do you think the orderly person is better or worse? The messy person is better or worse? Maybe I could give some like criteria for what that is, like who's more productive, orderly person or messy person? And my guess is, is that most of us, even some of the more messy people would say, eh, probably the orderly person is more, they get more done. They're more productive. I mean, we would just think that. It's like, because that must be what God is too, right? God's got to be super orderly because he created order out of chaos and all that. It's an interesting thing to think about because orderly people, you know, we, the people who are orderly, by the way, I would consider myself pretty orderly. I'm not OCD, but I'm at the edge. I just find that life feels more comfortable and productive to me. Most people, I think, would say orderly people are more productive. But there's some fascinating data that's coming out these days that maybe doesn't exactly agree with that. In fact, I'd like you to listen to just this small piece from a guy named Jeffrey James who wrote in Inc. magazine about this very subject. And I'm quoting now. He says, Today's efficiency experts insist that people are more productive when their desk is uncluttered. However, he writes, the notion that a clean desk makes you more productive is absurd twaddle. I love that statement, absurd twaddle. 
He goes on, he says, researchers at the University of Minnesota recently tested how well students came up with new ideas when working in orderly versus disorderly uh, settings. And he said the study showed, and now he begins to quote, participants in the messy room generated the same number of ideas as their clean room counterparts. But there, the messy people, their ideas were rated as more interesting and creative when evaluated by impartial judges. Good news, messy people. <laughs> I mean, messy people unite, all right? You don't have to take crap off those OCDers anymore. You come up with the creative stuff and just as many good ideas. And I'm also aware that some of you parents right now are saying, thank you very much. My kids are right here and I've been talking to them about picking up their room and now, okay, let me just do a timeout. I'm going to speak directly to the kids. I don't care what the University of Minnesota says or Inc. Magazine says. Let me just say this to you, all right? The Bible says obeying and honoring your parents is in the top ten. So do yourself a favor. You'll have all the time in the world to make your own choices. Follow their lead. But since I'm messing with everybody, here's what I want to do. I want to ask another question, kind of throw it out. Take it a step further. Where do you think Jesus was on the messy scale? You think Jesus was super messy or do you think he was super orderly? I think most people would say, well, he's God, so he's got to be super orderly, right? Actually, I'm going to give you my opinion and you can disagree with me, but I, I kind of think Jesus loved a good mess. And the reason I think that is because if you read the life of Jesus, everywhere he went, he just seemed to make messes. Now, on the one hand, he was super popular, but on the other hand, he was actually very unpopular with a certain group. Because the Jewish religious people of those days had a very formulated idea of how things should be done and should not be done. They were very set in it. And what Jesus did was he just came, it was almost like he walked in, took a stick, hit a hornet's nest, stepped back, and watched the chaos with a smile on his face. He did this over and over. He goes to have lunch with a guy named Zacchaeus, who is a well-known bureaucrat who lies and cheats and steals when a woman who was a woman of ill repute washed his feet, he defended her when people accused her. When a woman caught in the act of adultery was thrown at his feet and told that she should be stoned to death, he defended her. It's interesting because, see, the religious people of his day, they thought they had it all figured out, that it was rules and disciplines and you have to follow all these guys. They had it all boxed up. And Jesus comes and he just messes with all that. He actually makes things messy time and again. Let me just give you a great example of this. And This is in a place where Jesus is teaching and then he turns to the people who were like me of that day, the religious guys, the pastors and preachers and all that. And he says this, he says, Woe to you, this is Matthew chapter 23, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. In other words, when they would get somebody to give them a bag of spices, they'd take a tenth out and they would make sure they gave it to God. They followed the rules. He says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. It's very interesting. as if he's saying, you guys are caught up in the wrong stuff. You're missing what really counts, what really matters. There's something way bigger than just obeying rules and going through the motions. And actually, if you look at the things that he said were more important, you see what they are. 
justice and mercy and faithfulness in all three of these They have some strong common bonds. Two things, actually. One is justice and mercy and faithfulness. They're all messy. They're all messy to live out. And then the second thing is the reason why they're messy is because they all have to do with people, with how you treat people. What Jesus makes crystal clear is is that what matters is not how well organized you are and that you know scripture well, you've memorized verses, or you've done tons of Bible studies. And if you're not even a religious person, it's not how good your job is. It's not how much money you've made. It's not how much people praise you. It's not those things. What matters, Jesus communicates, it's how you treat people. How you treat people how you deal with the precious lives around you in the world that you live in, in this, what I call the glorious mess of life. And it is a mess. Because doing that is hard. People make it a mess. They hurt you. They betray you. They speak things about you that are not true sometimes. They, they upset you and you feel all these emotions and yet Jesus says, okay, you want to get this straight now, guys? You want to know what matters most? It's people. It's loving people. In fact, once when people came to Jesus and said, what matters most of all? This is his response. Many of you are familiar with it, Matthew 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. So he says, there it is. But then he adds a second one and he elevates it to the same level as the first. He says, the second is like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. It's how you love God. It's how you love people. Jesus says nothing, nothing, nothing matters more. And this whole series, you know, has been about us growing up on the inside, becoming spiritually, emotionally healthy and mature on the inside. And now here we are at week eight, and we get to the measurement of how you know if it's happening. Here it is. Here's your metric. It's how you treat people. In the end, that's what it is. It's not how many Bible verses you know or how much you've gone to church or not gone or all those other things. It is how you treat people because the most important thing, you love God and you do that by loving people. How you treat people. It's not about how happy you are. That changes like the wind. It's not about how much money you've made. It's not about how successful you've been or your great vacations. It's none of those things. It's not even about how good you are at something. Folks, you know this. You can be great at something and be a total jerk to people. I mean, at least a few professional athletes have taught us that. They're amazing at their sport, but they seem to be terrible with people. Jesus says it's not how good you are at stuff. It is how you treat people. How you treat people. And Jesus could not have made it any clearer. And yet, this is so messy. (laughs) And it's so hard. Most of us often feel like giving up because it's like people hurt you. You know, it's like, it's like, you, you know, you, it's like you, you do this to me and I'm supposed to treat you with love? And Jesus says, yes. Even if it seems confusing, even if it's difficult, and it is, it is with people we work with, it is with people in our family, it is in our marriages, in our, our romantic relationships. Actually, I was looking at a video just a little while back and and I showed this video at TVC some years ago, and, and I just thought it was so good again. I thought it was worth you seeing again because it so speaks to how hard this can be. Take a look at this. 
it's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop nail... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just. Sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! So, I love that video, and let's, let's be clear on this. This is not just true with romantic relationships like a husband or wife or whatever. This is true in all relationships. It's complicated, and it's messy. So here's the thing. What Jesus tells us is, is that our high calling, so the most important thing you'll do as a follower of Jesus, your high calling, is to live in this place that's going to be forever messy. It's loving people because the truth is, is people keep making it messy. You get one thing fixed. I mean, some of you are experiencing that right now. It's like when you had the stay-at-home order and you knew you wouldn't have to be at work and work with some of those jerks that drive you nuts. You're like, yay! And now you're home with your family and they're driving you nuts. It's messy. It's always messy. And yet that is exactly where God calls us to live our lives. If you want to experience emotionally healthy spirituality, here's your metric. You're not going to do it perfect, but here's your metric. You love people where they are. Now what I want to do is I want to give you a couple thoughts on this. You don't have to agree with me, but I want you to think about it. Because living in the glorious mess of loving people can be difficult and sometimes we need to be reminded of things and and here's the first one just a couple thoughts here the first one is people can never be treated as objects you cannot see people as objects now i don't think anybody listening to this no one would say yes you can you should treat people as objects everybody knows that that's true but even the kindest souls among us need to be reminded of this occasionally because here's what happens Somebody hurts us, somebody offends us, somebody does something in a way of betrayal, and what we do is we start to see them through the lens of that pain. And when we stop seeing them the way their creator sees them, but through the lens of our pain, we start to objectify them. And this happens, and it happens, and it happens, and it's a terrible mistake. We cannot view people as objects. Listen, listen. In the glorious mess, this is how it works. It's always people first, people first, people first. Always, always. They're never objects. 
And the only way that I know how to stay in that place, and I don't do it as nearly as well as I want to, but the only way I know how to do it is to look through the eyes of God and see them the way he sees them because he sees every human, even the ones that are broken like you and I, is precious and valuable. Now, you need to understand, this does not mean, because I can almost hear some of you going, well, well, does that mean I just love people in spite of whether they're doing right or they're doing wrong or they're being bad people? No, 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 I'm not saying you sacrifice your sense of what's right and wrong. You don't have to. I already mentioned, you remember, that Jesus had a woman caught in the act of adultery thrown down in front of him and they said, the law demands that you, we stone her. And so Jesus deals with those people who brought her by saying, okay, all right, well, then the one of you guys who has never sinned, you'd be the one to throw the first stone and one by one they left. Now I want you to see how Jesus responded to this woman because now they're alone and this is in John chapter eight and it says Jesus spoke to her and he said, woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? And her response was, no one, Master. Look at what Jesus says. He says, neither do I. And it's beautiful. He accepted her and loved her and defended her in that place. But here's what I want you to see. It didn't stop there. See, because he said that, he said, neither do I. But then he added this piece. Look at this. She says, no one's here to condemn me, Master. And he says, neither do I. But then he adds, okay, go your way. From now on, don't sin. In other words, he acknowledged that there is right and there is wrong, and it's messy. Loving broken people is always messy because they're broken, just like you and I are. I mean, we, we run into this very thing at TVC because many of you know this at TVC. We believe Scripture is very clear that sexual purity is God's highest. And what sexual purity looks like is a man and a woman under the hand of God in marriage. And sexual activity outside of that is damaging to our souls. It is not God's highest. It's wrong. And we believe that. And yet we live in a culture which actually embraces almost the polar opposite of that. So what does that mean? That we stand up and preach down to people? No, it means that without letting go of what we know is God's highest, we love people where they are. And we treat them with respect and dignity, even if they behave in a way, just as the woman who was behaving in a way that Jesus did not affirm, he still loved and defended and cared for her. That's what we do. Now, saying that, I got to say to you, this is what God calls us to, but it just doesn't mean that we're always going to do this perfectly. The truth is, is that we're going to screw up on a regular basis because we get wounded we get angry we get frustrated with things and so we start to view them in a different way and you just have to keep coming back and getting back up sometimes we look back and go that's not the way I want to be oh my gosh I should never have spoken that way or done that don't wallow in it just get back up and say I will not objectify people you know there's a guy in our church his, his name is Lane and Lane makes artwork out of scrap metal and it's some remarkable stuff he's done actually I've shown some of it at TVC and it's some pretty cool stuff and sometimes I will see Lane because he'll come and volunteer at the Hastings campus and I'll be walking through the lobby and see him and he'll say hey I got a new piece you want to see this and the truth about me is 
is that there could be a piece of artwork laying around somewhere and I could walk right by. I could walk by a Van Gogh or a Monet and not be like, what is that? I wouldn't even know what it is. I don't get art really well. But here's what happens when Lane says, hey, you want to see this new piece that I just made? I'll be like, yeah. And I'll walk up. And what I see when I'm with him is I see how the face of the creator shines on the created. And it's like it changes how I see it. I see what the creator sees when he's looking at the created. And I start to look at it differently. And I go, oh, man, look at that. Oh, Lane, that is cool. And I see the beauty in this thing that I would not have seen looking through my own lens. But when I look through the creator's lens, it changes everything. And this is exactly what God calls us to. To keep coming back to looking at people the way he sees them. You want to know if you're growing, how do you see people? And yes, they can be dumb, but so can we. And yes, they can be mean-spirited and wound us, but we do that too sometimes. And yes, they're repeat offenders, but so are we. The point is, is that even though it's messy, we treat human beings not as objects, but as someone made precious in the sight of God. And my second thought, some of you are going to struggle with this because it's a little hard to take, but it's so important, and I'll do this quickly, is that not only must we never objectify people, but you have to understand that false peace is not true peace. Here's what I mean by this. When you're acting, interacting with your family, maybe members of your family or people you work with, our propensity, our tendency is to just want to gloss the problems over. We just, just want to make it go away because it feels bad. It feels awkward. And so, I'll, you know, I'll just sweep it under the carpet. I'll just get it under there. But I've said this for years, that if you sweep enough stuff under the carpet, the, the, the thing becomes a mountain with a little piece of cloth on the top of it, and it doesn't go away. It doesn't get fixed. It doesn't get resolved. In fact, it can bring great damage if you don't shoot for true peace, which means sometimes you have to pull the carpet up and reach underneath and say, as messy as this is going to be, we've got to talk about this. We've got to face this thing. We've got to deal with it. You know, Jesus made this statement. He said, you will know the truth, John 8, 32, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. And see, the point is, if you don't bring it out, if you don't deal with it, what happens is, under the carpet, it starts to grow. It actually starts to grow roots, and then it grows up, and it does damage. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about this very thing. So see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, notice those words, bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And this is exactly what happens. That's what happens with false peace. You try to gloss it over, it's still there. And so you have to sometimes, you just have to reach in and pull it out and say, we've got to talk about this. Now here's the truth about life in the glorious mess. Sometimes it hurts much worse before it gets better. And sometimes you can't even really fix a thing because they get mad at you and walk away and won't talk to you or you both get angry, it melts down. It can be so complicated. But see, God's high calling is that we love people and see them as the Creator sees them. And that means we strive to live in true peace. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it's possible as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Don't settle for false peace. Now let me just speak to some of you who are right now going, that's right, that's right. 
I am going to go set this, I'm going to pull this thing out and I'm going to go and set them straight. Okay, you, no, you're going like a battleship and your guns are going to be blazing at them, hitting them. And people aren't stupid. They know when you're more interested in being right than you are in restoring a relationship and finding peace. No, actually God has a, a calling, a way for you to do this. And this is where it's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, in other words, if things fall apart, you who live by the Spirit, those of you who are mature, should restore that person gently. A lot of important words in here, but none more important than the word gently. How you speak to them, how you talk to them, how you treat them, looking at them through the lens of how the Creator sees them, you never objectify and you seek for true peace. You don't settle for false peace. And I hope that for all of us that we keep pushing in this direction because this is our metric. You want to know if you're growing spiritually? How do you treat people when it's hard in the glorious mess? Let's work at that because it's our high calling sermon over. One last thing, just something I want to share with you. So I want to remind you that TVC operates on the gifts of the people who give the gifts. And I know some of you may be saying, but gosh, it's the stay-at-home order. You guys aren't working now, right? Actually, it's just the opposite. We're working very hard. Not only are we still streaming services, but we've been working hard to find every way we can to help and encourage and support people in making a connection with God. We're doing it through text and social media and online Bible studies. Any way we legally can, we're working at this. Our student ministry is streaming services. Our kids' ministry is working to provide resources and, and connect them with parents and support parents. We've reached out to our local schools and community agencies and said, what can we do to help? And we've helped pack, deliver food in different ways. We have our own TVC food bank that's still operating. We're still serving. Our mission of connecting people with God has not gotten any less. It is as strong as ever. And we're working, but we need your support as well. Now, maybe you've been giving digitally all along, but there are many people who haven't been, and this might be a good time to start. But I will say, even if you can't, our mailing address, you'll see it on the lower third down there, along with the ways to give digitally. And you can still write a check and mail it to us. We're still getting the mail. But I just want to say in advance, thank you for continuing to support the mission of TVC, connecting people with God. And hey, when we meet next week, we're going to share virtually all over the area, all over the U.S. as people join us. We're going to share in communion. So make sure you have some bread or crackers and some water or juice or something, and we'll have a great time. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you, and may you know him in deeper ways through this season, and hang on to his love and grace, and love people and see them as the Creator sees them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.